Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Welcome to the Chaos Chronicles. I'm Leanne Dolan. Thanks for joining me here today. It is Thursday, August 15th, and uh, welcome to my world because today was the first day of school for my sophomore son, and I guess officially the first day of gap year for my graduated from high school, not going to college this fall, son. So uh, yay for me. It's good. <laughs> Kind of a mixed blessing, (laughs) but I'm happy to be here with you today on a beautiful Thursday in Pasadena, California. If you're new to the Chaos Chronicles, where you been? Uh, It's been four good years of the Chaos Chronicles. I'm a mom. I have two boys. I'm a writer. I'm also part of the Satellite Sisters, a long-running radio show and now podcast and website over at SatelliteSisters.com. And uh, usually once a week, I get together to talk about modern motherhood, and I try to do it with a big smile on my face. So... (laughs) And I hopefully put a tiny smile on your face as you're going through your week doing whatever it is you do. Um, This is my last season of the Chaos Chronicles. Just getting used to saying that. Um, But don't despair. Don't despair because I'm still going to be doing a couple podcasts a week. We're just going to be doing them as Satellite Sisters. So I will let you know when that's all happening, but I'll probably wrap up here in a couple weeks at the end of August. And then we're going to rejigger Satellite Sisters and figure something out and relaunch in September. So, but for now, not to worry because um, this is, uh, I have a special today. I didn't plan on producing a special, but as I was gathering my stories, a couple of studies uh, hit me over the head this week. You know, I'm just one woman trying to save the magazine business by myself. So I was thumbing through my issue of Health Magazine, and there was a particular uh, story on a certain subject that kind of jibed with what I was thinking about lately. And then I recalled sort of a fascinating discussion I heard at this year's Blog Her conference in Chicago. And I I pulled it all together. I spent the morning pulling it all together. So this week, the special on Chaos Chronicle is being happier. Not happy. Not happy. And we're going to talk about why that seems like an impossible goal. But just being happier. So I have a new study. I have a great article from Health Magazine. And then I have a website uh, where you can all go and participate in being happier, should you so choose. So we're going to talk about that later. Uh, I have a couple of updates and then uh, a to-do list. So stick around for the to-do list because we need to get together on that one. Um, But first, the Chaos Chronicles, what happened this week? Well, the big news really is that I cleaned my closet. And, (laughs) you know, um, as most of you know, I do the show in my closet. So my closet not only functions as a closet, it also functions as a recording studio. And... I have said in the past, and I'll just, I think it's worth repeating. It's not a huge closet. It is a walk-in closet, um, but it's built in a dormer. So it's really a duck-in closet. And uh, it's served me well over the years as both a closet and a workspace, but it has not in any way, shape or form been clean for many years. 
I'm not a neat person. Um, I've really had to adapt my messy ways to function in a family setting, meaning my husband's super neat and I pretty much have to be neat in the whole rest of the house. So I feel like my closet, uh, as messy as it can get, is a true reflection of my personality uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, because it is my office space... <laughs> I am forced to face my own humanity once a week when I do the show and I have to clean it up and I have to shove things places and, you know, just pile things up and I basically store clothes in the laundry basket, which I know you're not supposed to do. So it's been on my you know personal to-do list for a long time. But as many of you know, it's been a long year uh, nursing first my mom and then my dad, losing both of them, cleaning out, you know, their apartment, their closets. Uh, long story short, a lot of things that normally wouldn't have been in my closet this year ended up in my closet. It was just um, very sentimental for me to, to uh, get rid of some of my mom's clothes and things like that, as you know, that can happen. So I just sort of shoved them in my closet in various places thinking, oh yeah, maybe one day I'll wear this, even though my mom was like two inches shorter than me and just everything about her was like shorter and smaller than me. <laughs> so, so really things don't fit. Like even her shoes. I don't, I don't know why she had some really nice shoes, but they don't fit me. So I don't know why I kept them, but you know, call the doctor on that one. But last weekend was the weekend I just decided, okay, I'm going to tackle that closet. August for me is a month of rebooting. It's a, it's a total life reboot. My book tour is over. Kids are going back to school. You know, life is kind of starting fresh. For, for me, I considered returning from our family vacation as kind of my New Year's, New Year's Day. So last weekend on the docket, clean the closet. And it meant, um, it meant a possible addition of bookshelves, of shelving, <laughs> of organizational units. <laughs> but, I mean, and I had to do it alone. I did not want my husband's help for day one. I was like, I just want to work in small batches, go from one corner to another, and then see what happens. I'm not in any rush to get this done, uh, but I want to do it carefully. So it did involve like really being honest. Am I going to wear this stuff again? Any of the stuff in there. Took a big load to Goodwill. I uncovered things in the closet that are clearly not designated as clothes. I found um, my screenplay from 1993. So let me know if anyone's interested because <laughs> I have, I don't know, like 10 copies of that bad boy. Uh, that was shoved in a corner of my closet. There was a mystery corner that was not that accessible that became just a catch-all for anything. So again, my screenplays from 1993 were in there. Um, my son actually portrayed Queen Elizabeth, uh, in a, in a production in his school and, um, his costume, his Queen Elizabeth costume was in there from five years ago. Uh, the flower girl dress I wore a, in 1972 at my brother's wedding, like literally people, uh, that was in there. Maybe a 78, 78, 72 is a little, <laughs> 78 that was in there. And then I found a surprising cache of Olympic memorabilia. One of which, one of which was a classic 1980s ski hat 
from the Lake Placid Olympics where I saw the pair skating finals where in an epic Dolan family road trip, my sister Liz, my sister Sheila, and my sister Monica took me to Lake Placid for my 16th birthday. We had no tickets and no hotel reservations and we drove in the middle of literally a blinding snowstorm. (laughs) So... But I had forgotten that I had purchased a hat at the Lake Placid Olympics. And it was one of those classic 80s ski hats with just the gigantic pom-pom on top. So, don't, yes, don't worry. There will be photos. Uh, I'm going to do a whole Olympic memorabilia photo spread. So qu- quite a few things in the closet that really could not be classified as clothes. But it was such a fantastic relief to sort of get it all organized. I sent my older son to Ikea. I told him, this is what I need for my shoes. They were the big hang up. I don't feel like I have a lot of shoes compared to a lot of women. I certainly don't have a lot of nice shoes. I just have a lot of like, oh, you know, clogs and sneakers and flip flops. And, you know, I guess I I probably have about average number of shoes, but they were just a mess on the floor of my closet. I needed some kind of shoe storage system. That was going to be sturdy and solid. And what says sturdy and solid and 30 bucks better than Ikea? So I sent the boys to Ikea. They got a shelving unit. They brought it back. They assembled it. They installed it in the closet. I bought a few organizational cubes to help me with my, you know, T-shirts, my extensive T-shirt collection. I enjoy layering. Uh, That all worked really well. And I had to, like, come to grips with who I really am as a human being. So, and that is that I am not interested in how organized the actual drawer is, okay? (laughs) I don't care. I, I don't care about, you know, arranging all the gray socks and then the blue socks and then the black socks. I'm never going to do that. Like if I could just categorize the things in the drawer and then shove them in the drawer, I'm happy with that. Like I now have a drawer of sleepwear and that was sort of scattered all over the closet. Just that makes me happy. All the sleepwear in one drawer. Uh, I did organize my personal items, you know, in several different drawers, but they're not neatly folded or rolled up. I didn't buy organizers for the drawer. That's a waste of money. I'm never going to do that. I discovered the best way to keep my extensive collection of camis and shelf bra shirts is just to get some basically buckets and toss them in. <laughs> so I'm not going to. I'm not going to roll them up and fold them and put them in a t-shirt organizer. That's never going to happen. But if I could just keep them all in the same drawer or bucket or basket, I'm good. So it was a completely satisfying experience that went off without any family struggle. Um, Sometimes because my husband considers himself to be a master organizer, he gets a little too involved. But he stayed away. He was doing his own thing. And he came in at the last minute to bolt the shoe organizer to the wall so it didn't fall on me while I was recording or fall over in an earthquake. Those are all good things. It was just a very satisfying experience to get that closet fully cleaned. And so the next morning, Sunday morning, when I uh, recorded Satellite Sisters, I just, I was luxuriating in the closet. And as my husband said, I don't believe I've ever seen so much of the floor of this closet. (laughs) I kept saying, this closet is bigger than I realized. (laughs) So, so, So here you go. The year of sort of pulling it all together for me, getting back on track after a lot of chaos, uh, over the last 18 months, I am starting with the closet and I'm moving outward people. So 
very satisfying. All right. And then one other thing I have to mention, um, because I know on the Chaos Chronicles from time to time over the last five years, we have discussed, sometimes with heated debate, um, the... uh, the wisdom of serving your children uh, milk flavored with chocolate. Okay, whether that be chocolate milk or or basically chocolate milk. Uh, I, I was very pro-chocolate milk. I had no issues with chocolate milk. Uh, it, it started a controversy. I got some information, got some facts, and decided to take a neutral position on <laughs> chocolate milk in schools. So that's why I had to laugh this week. Like, even though there is good study that chocolate milk is excellent uh, beverage for athletes recovering from a workout, and I have athletic boys, so that was my rationale for being pro-chocolate milk. But, okay, fine. You don't want chocolate milk in the schools? I'll see. No chocolate milk in the schools. That's fine. Uh, But this week, there was a study that came out about hot chocolate. Now, I saw it on the news. And um, this was the week I officially stopped watching Good Morning America because it has stopped being news news at all. <laughs> it's just a debacle now. It's just a morning debacle with absolutely no information and a, a lot of false laughter. So I have switched officially to CBS this morning. But I was watching Good Morning America, and they did a story about how a new study has come out that chocolate milk actually can help the brain function and not chocolate milk, hot chocolate, hot chocolate, that drinking hot chocolate may help keep your brain healthy. And ABC, Good Morning America did such a poor job. Like that was pretty much the study, the the story. They didn't go into any detail at all, but that's okay. I didn't need any detail. I just seized on that because I knew that I had a teenager going to high school this week. And uh, they made it sound like drinking it in the morning got your brain revved up for the day. I think that's pretty much what they said. Um, so I seized on that because my younger son started high school. He is really a night owl. He is one of those teenagers that definitely has a different like body clock than the rest of us in the house. My other son gets up early, never had a problem in the morning. You know, he keeps early hours and so he fits right in with our family. But my other son, I really have to drag him out of bed at 7.15 to get him in the car by 20 of 8. He doesn't like to eat in the morning. He is uh, he's just like slow and out of it, like, like, like a cartoon teenager, basically. So when I heard that a cup of hot chocolate got those neurons flowing, I was all over this. I was like, guess what? Hot chocolate is good for you. I'm going to make you hot chocolate every morning of the next three years of high school because... He enjoys hot chocolate, but he won't drink regular milk. Never, ever in his entire life, ever, has he had a glass of regular milk. So the calcium's a struggle for me. So I'm like, that's it. Hot chocolate. We're doing it. So I fed him the hot chocolate. I was so happy. It seemed to make him happy this morning. I managed to get him off to school. And then as I was preparing for the show, preparing to flaunt this information, like, okay, here we go. Another chocolate-flavored milk controversy to discuss. (laughs) I actually went and looked up the full study. The one that ABC didn't bother to report on. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with teenagers. And it has nothing to do with drinking hot chocolate in the morning to get your brain going. I mean, sort of. But uh, it really is about warding off dementia later in life. According to this study published by the American Academy of Neurology, consuming just two cups of hot chocolate a day may help 
elderly adults who are experiencing impaired blood flow to have healthier brains and improved thinking skills. Okay, first of all, just two cups of hot chocolate, that seems like quite a bit of hot chocolate. And secondly, elderly adults who are experiencing impaired blood flow. Yes, that is an important group, but that is not my teenage son. So now I'm bummed out. I I thought I had discovered like the magic XLR to getting him going uh, for the first period of cl- first period classes, but no, apparently apparently not. So I am sorry to report uh, that I was once again wrong about a chocolate flavored milk beverage. Although those of you who may have elderly adults who have impaired brain function. You are going to want to get them some hot chocolate, just two cups a day. That will make them happier, don't you think? All right, stay tuned. We're going to talk about being happier coming up next on the Chaos Chronicles. So like some of you, I I spend quite a bit of time on Facebook. I like to consider it my job, but let's face it. It's not really my job. (laughs) It's not my job to like photos of other people's dogs. Really, we can't call that work. I I like to communicate with my community. That's my job. But I could definitely uh, reel back on the time I spend on Facebook. And I did actually find myself this summer um, getting angry at Facebook. Like I just, I hit a point... Uh, in July when I had been on the book tour and working a lot and trying to go through a lot of kind of stressful things at home and stuff like that, I found myself being very resentful of those pictures of like whole families in Paris for vacation. All right. I just got mad at that. <laughs> I, I guess I'm only human. The end, I know I'm not alone. And I know studies have come out on this before, but I just found like, oh, I don't think I could stand like one more photo of a family in London all together. Why do people get to go to Hawaii? You know, <laughs> so which is small. It's very, very small of me. Um, but I'm not the only one because a new study came out this week from the University of Michigan. And Facebook does, in fact, depress us. It gets us down sometimes. And it really does depend on two things, how much time you spend on Facebook and what your actual life is like. And there's definitely a correlation between um, you know, what sort of an outside life you have off the computer? Are you actively engaged? Are you married? Do you have kids? Uh, do you have friends that you, uh, are a part, you know, see all the time and engage with regularly and versus, uh, are you just sitting home alone looking at other people's vacation photos and not really taking advantage of doing and engaging in your own real life? So, you know, if you're managing to balance your Facebook time with actual engagement with actual people, you're going to be fine. But if you're finding that that's out of balance, that you're spending too much time on Facebook and getting depressed looking at, you know, photos of people's fun 40th birthday parties or fantastic bachelorette parties or like great times with great friends and not having those great times with great friends, you're going to get a little depressed. And uh, no surprise there, (laughs) but it got me thinking about like happiness. And it's something I've been thinking about lately because you know, trying to turn it around. This is my new year's, just making a decision to sort of have more fun. Something my husband and I have been talking about just with everything that's happened over the last 18 months. One of the things 
that hasn't happened a lot in our lives is fun. Just good old fashioned fun. Just not stressing about it, not thinking about it, making choices that would bring a little levity and joy to our life. And I needed kind of a reboot on that front. So that's what we've decided to do. Our unofficial family motto is just have more fun. You know, with my son home sort of unexpectedly on a gap year, I thought he'd be in college. I'm like, okay, well, let's just make this fun. You know, I mean, get a job, you know, work hard, learn a lot, but let's have fun while we're doing this. Let's not stress about that. And various things like that, trying to just bring more fun to our life as individuals and as a family. So that's why I was particularly interested when I was flipping through my new issue of Health Magazine, and I saw the article, Nine Ways to Go on a Bliss Trip by Kate Lowenstein. All right, Kate Lowenstein, Bliss Trip. All right, I love, first of all, magazine speak like that, Bliss Trip, something no one would ever say, but... You can imagine like the editors and the writings, writers sitting around, oh, bliss trip. That's great. Okay. All right. Let's just bliss trip. We can do that every month. So, uh, but you know what? There's some good ideas uh, to go on a bliss trip. Apparently, uh, Kate did some research. You can experience more joy every day with these surprising new scientifically proven tactics. Well, we will be the judge of that, but let's, let's give it a whirl. First one is good news because apparently you can buy some bliss, really. But here's the deal. You won't find it at the mall. Purchasing things like televisions, clothes, and coffee machines won't make you happier overall. But buying experiences maximizes happiness. And this is according to Michael Norton, PhD, an associate professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School. Okay, so, you know, the new dress or the 27th pair of shoes, not going to make you happy. But buying a concert ticket or a series of crochet lessons or a simple dinner on a Tuesday night with friends, people who bought experiences like that were much happier than those who spent their money on tangible goods. Okay, why? I didn't know why. Why is that? Well, it's because we humans tend to get maximum pleasure and vitality from social bonding. Actual social bonding, not sitting at home on Facebook social bonding. Yet the payoffs start before you leave home right? You anticipate the experience. It can be just as valuable a source of happiness as the experience itself. And according to Norton, for months afterwards, just recalling, you know, the concert or the crochet lessons or the great dinner you had with your friends continues to make you happy. All right. So there you go. If you're going to go out and buy something, buy some tickets to, to something. I'm going to see a concert this weekend with our friends. We invited them. I'm, I am happy anticipating it, and I hope it's a happy event afterwards. All right. Uh, here's good news um, for some, not good news for other. but you know what can send you on a bliss trip? Uh, getting older. Apparently, happiness dips when women are about 40. Okay, that explains a lot, and comes roaring back as they approach 50. Okay, well... I'm nearer to that than I'd like to be, finds a study of 500,000 women and men in 72 countries. All right, if you're a man listening to this, for men, your happiness slump hits at 52. Scientists have yet to explain the bliss boomerang, but anyone familiar with what it's like to be like a 40-year-old woman, you know, making dinner, going to work, going to the PTA meetings, paying the bills, you know, being responsible for your elderly parents and this and that, I think you can understand why maybe your happiness tips at 40. 
<laughs> so, and around 50, when the kids start to leave the nest, you think, okay, all right, I'm going to be in good shape. I'm going to make it. I can definitely see that happening. So, uh, here's what they recommend. As the kids leave the nest, women have time to nurture themselves again. And, uh, that doesn't mean you can't do it right now. I remind mothers, says our expert Diller here, she is a PhD and a clinical psychologist. I remind mothers of the safety tip given in airplanes. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first so you can help those in your care. Scheduling daily me time. You've heard it the whole four, but apparently it works. All right. What else do we have to say here? Okay. This, this one, this one, I, I, I appreciated. And I think I actually just told you I did forget self-improvement. All right. Forget it. Basking in what's already great about yourself is more effective route than trying to fix what's not. Let's take my closet for instance. Okay. I wasn't trying to pretend that every drawer in my closet was going to be perfectly organized and I was going to, you know, live in like a home organizer's dream. I knew my limits to how organized I wanted the closet to be. I thought that was very mature and apparently I'm on my way to a bliss trip with that closet is what's happening. Um, that's right. Whatever you're already good at, just take pride in that and forget about fixing what you're not. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, they did mention a kind of an interesting survey, uh, and I will put a link on the website to it. It's called the, it's free, the Values and in Action Inventory of Strengths Survey via character.org. If you want to go right now, uh, via character.org, developed by psychologists, takes about 15 minutes to fill out, and then provides a rank list of your 24 strongest qualities, anything from creativity to perseverance. And what they suggest, the experts who developed this test said, think about how you might use your top five strengths in your relationship at the office and in your free time. People who consistently apply their signature strengths, which I love that term, experience less depression and more happiness. Signature, signature strengths. So think about that, people. All right. And then uh, the last one I'm going to tell you about on our bliss trip, <laughs> we're take, taking our bliss trip. This made me laugh. Uh, spend 21 minutes focusing on your relationship. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't have 21 minutes a day to spend on my relationship. No, no people. 21 minutes a year. Anyone who has argued with her husband about tackling his pile of mail knows a good marriage takes effort and time. Okay. Actually they argue with me about tackling my mail, but whatever. Researchers at Northwestern University tracked the marital bliss of 120 couples. Half of them did a seven-minute exercise three times a year in which they pondered these three questions. Okay, so you've had the fight in a public place. You're not speaking to each other in the car on the ride home. Here's what you're supposed to say to each other when you get home. Does that sound familiar? Does that ring a bell to anybody? <laughs> okay. Okie doke. Right. We're on track. Okay. Here are the three questions, the seven minutes you're supposed to spend on this relationship at this point. One, how would a neutral third party view your recent marital spat? Two, going forward, what obstacles stand in your way of thinking like this third party during the argument? And three, how might you succeed at thinking like the third party during conflicts? How would it help your relationship? According to Dr. Eli Finkel, the author of the study and a psychologist himself, he said that couples who tend to evaluate their relationships like this are actually much happier and much more passionate. 
said otherwise marriages have a tendency to I like this I like this term uh decline over time it's like a car they depreciate marriage is just like a car depreciates so uh so you have to step back and think like a third party evaluating your relationship all right other tips on the bliss trip you can find at health magazine i'll put a link to the article at chaoschronicles.com now if that actually sounds like too much work like oh my gosh 21 minutes of relationship evaluation that's a lot of work i i want to be happier faster i don't want to work that hard to be happier i have a solution for you Okay, when I was at Blogger in Chicago a couple weeks ago, one of the lunchtime keynote speakers was a woman named Natalie Kogan. I was not familiar with her or her work before seeing her at Blogger, but she was interesting. She was a young woman. She uh, had achieved um, quite a bit of business success uh, prior to speaking at Blogger. She was an entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, and also in the financial industry. And it seemed like from what she was, as she was introduced, and she, she had made quite a few bucks in her day, in her like 31 years on this world. And now she was kind of changing tax uh, with how she approached um, her satisfaction level in life. So she's actually created a social network called happier.com. And she said what she had learned over time was that um, she had this very static view of what was happiness. And it was pretty much tied also into the American dream. She was a Russian immigrant. She had immigrated here with her family when she was 13 years old. Uh, She had a very serious way of approaching life and just thought like, work hard, make a lot of money. This is the American dream, you know, start stuff and then, uh, and then you'll be happy. And it seems like she did all those things. Very bright young woman, obviously worked very hard, appears to have made a lot of money. Um, but discovered that she really wasn't that happy. Uh, And so she decided to kind of devote herself professionally to this idea of not being happy, but being happier. And that was what was kind of interesting about what she said, because I'm very skeptical, you know, (laughs) like, can we really quantify happiness? And so much so that we can like give it a dot com uh, address, and so I was slightly suspicious, but I thought that was an interesting approach. That you know, happiness it, it's it's this thing we can't really put our finger on, but if we choose to be happier, then that may actually be a better path to achieve satisfaction in life. So I decided to visit happier.com today. I hadn't actually been there since I saw Natalie speak at Blog Her, but I thought, you know, I've just read the Bliss Trip article. I'm thinking about this actively in my life, you know, incorporating more fun, more happiness into our family over the next year, really trying to bring a positive attitude to my life. (laughs) Let me, let me go check out this website because, wow, working 21 minutes on my relationship seems like a lot of work. So, so uh, you can read all about the happier team there, but here, here's sort of their philosophy at this website. That one, there are good moments in every day. Even bad days are crazy ones or the ones that make you want to hide under the covers. They can be really small, but they're there if you look for them. Okay, I would agree to that. Two, Stop trying to be happy. And this is, I found interesting. Chasing some nirvana state of happiness is the source of a lot of unhappiness. That is true. Happiness isn't some goal to achieve. You can't measure it or compare it. 
you know what? I, I would agree to that. The older I get, the more I believe in stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay, how about this one? Number three, small moments make you happier than huge achievements. You don't need a million bucks to be happy, although we all know it helps a little bit. Uh, Just grab coffee with a friend or give your kid a hug and see how you feel. Okay, all right, all right, fine. Uh, Four, being happier is contagious. This I believe in. Uh, You know, when you surround yourself with positive people and you share that positive attitude and you share your happiness, um, everybody's happier. But I think we've all been involved in uh, relationships or uh, work situations or even play situations where there's just been a lot of negativity and you can get sucked down by the negaholics. And, um, okay, I believe that happier is contagious. And five, according to happier.com, don't wait to be happy. This is a good one. It's not something that comes as a bonus after you achieve all the things on your life to-do list. It will actually help you achieve them. I, I think that's true. I, we, I mean, I think particularly with women, I don't know. Do men do this? We say, oh, if I lost 10 pounds, I'd be happier. Oh, if I made $50,000, I'd be happier. Oh, if only I had a new kitchen, I'd be happier. And we sort of miss the happy right in front of us. I think we all as humans have a tendency to push things away and feel like we need to wait. And you know what? We don't need to wait. We shouldn't wait. So, all right. I'm kind of on board with happier. Uh But I go a little bit deeper into their background because I'm interested. Natalie had presented some science at uh, at BlogHer, the science of happiness. And uh, so I'm going to share a little bit about that with you. So (laughs) you can go on your own bliss trip. Need some bliss trip with some facts. A lot of facts here today on the Chaos Chronicles. All right. Studies show that people who write down a few positive things about their day report feeling happier. Right. We've all heard about gratitude journals. Okay. Okay, and you can hear in the tone of my voice that I'm poo-pooing them already, despite what studies show. But okay, write down three things a day that you're grateful for that make you happy, and you'll be happier. All right, that doesn't sound too hard. Research has shown that happiness is contagious. If you have a friend who is positive, you're 15% more likely to be positive. All right. Be inspired to do more of what makes you happier. Being happier isn't simply enjoyable. Positive thinking and increased optimism have been linked to significant health benefits. You're more productive. You sleep better. You make healthier life choices. If you think more positively, you're 50% less likely to have a heart attack or catch a cold. And more optimistic people make better dietary choices and are less likely to be depressed or have a stroke. Okay. All right. So I'm sold with the science and the message of happier.com. So I decided to join in and see how the whole thing works. (laughs) And here's how it works, people. You just post things that make you happy. Okay. You don't, it's not, you're not networking. You're not one-upping. The whole idea of this website is just to post like tiny moments of your day and share them with complete strangers. And I have to tell you, I spent about 17 minutes on it this morning and I was happier. (laughs) I I couldn't believe it. 
The first thing you have to do is just find five friends. I, I don't know one person who even knows about this site. So I'm just picking five strangers to follow. I just want to follow and see what happy moments they share, right? That's, you just want to share happy. That is the whole point of this site. All right, so I am doing a live demo for you on the Chaos Chronicles because that's the kind of advanced technology uh, thing that makes me happy. Okay, here are just um, some of the things people have posted. And you're going to be in two camps on this. You're either going to smile and think, ah, that makes me happy. Or you're going to think, what a waste of time. And if you're, <laughs> I, I don't know what camp you're going to be in, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, here we go. These are just random posts from people I don't know on happier.com at the moment. Uh, Drive-in movies. So awesome. It's dark now in the middle of the night. Alaska is so wondrous. Late nights with a small group of people sharing laughs and a bottle of wine. Finished my painting. There's a picture of the painting. Fresh, clean air. And there's just a picture of clean air. <laughs> Are you happy? Are you happy yet? Oh, okay. How about this? Early morning run with great sunrise. Now, unhurried breakfast with family. Okay, right there. You get the whole picture of that guy's day. He is happy just because he's written that down. How about this? I open the freezer and find a frozen Reese's peanut butter cup. Today can't get any better. And you know what? I saw that post. I followed Stacy Joy. First of all, her name is Stacy Joy, and that's a happy name. And secondly, that is the kind of thing that would make my day <laughs> not get any better. So I'm getting happier by the minute. And how about this one? My GPS said I'd get here in a minute, an hour 36, and I beat it by a minute. She is psyched that she beat her GPS. All right. How about this? Got an unexpected call from my girlfriend. That makes him happy. Oh, okay. There are a lot of cat posts. I'm just warning you. <laughs> so, oh. so having my cat curl up next to me on the couch, he always knows when I need a little extra attention. But, you know, to be fair, there are equally as many dog posts. There's a whole, whole uh, actual collection of dog posts you can go to. How about this? Saw the movie Epic today. It was appropriately titled. Or Play and Scrabble with My Daughter. There you go, people. This is all this site is. Taking your shoes off after a long day. Relaxed on the hammock for a while and appreciated the colorful sunset. Took the dogs for a walk, and the grass at the park had just been cut. Heavenly scent. Are you happier? <laughs> okay. This is the whole thing. And then you can comment, or instead of a like button, you know what happier.com has. Has a smiley face, my friend, and that is fun to use. You can just, oh, smiley face, if you like what someone says, oh, smiley face. And so this is it. Oh, when my cereal arrives from Amazon, like, I don't even understand that post. <laughs> Who gets cereal from Amazon? But that made Anna Tan super happy. And guess what? It made a lot of other people smile too. So Amazon is awesome. And then somebody else commented, you can buy cereal from Amazon? That is amazing or disgusting, depending upon your point of view. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay. All right. Anyway. I have to say, I was suspicious about this sort of thing, but could it hurt, really? I mean, I guess it could only hurt if you spend 12 hours a day on happier.com and no longer go out and have these happy experiences. But will I give it a try? Did I sign up? Yeah, I signed up. 
I got a couple of friends or followers or whatever they call them on happier.com. I like that the profile is like nothing. You don't have to fill anything out. I, I appreciate that. No one knows where you live. No one knows your marital status. No one knows where you went to college. No. It's just a picture and then you just go. You start putting up happy moments three a day, three a day. I mean, I can do that for a while and see if it makes a difference, like checking in. All right. And then they have all kinds of interviews with people about uh, what makes you happy. And, you know, it's all the same stuff, basically. <laughs> it's, it's never work <laughs> or financial success. It's cereal arriving from Amazon. So... I don't know. I think it's worth a try. I'm going to give it a whirl. I'll put up a link uh, at chaoschronicles.com, happier.com. Just find your own happy there. You know, we don't have to meet up anywhere in happier.com. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it does seem like it just is very small. You just put very small things in. You're not trying to impress anyone on happier.com. I think that happens on Facebook, you know, and you're not trying to bring anyone down. I don't think there's going to be any political discussions here. I don't know how that works. Uh, it's only been in business for, you know, since February. But I'm just saying, if you're looking to go on your own bliss trip, besides, you know, buying experiences and getting older and spending 21 minutes dissecting your marriage, you might also want to try just logging into happier.com and reading a few of the dog comments and seeing how happy you get. All right, we're going to wrap up quickly here on the Chaos Chronicles. Um, got stuff to do. Uh, but a few updates. First of all, last week um, there was a flash sale of my novel, Elizabeth the First Wife on Nook. And friends, Romans, countrymen, fantastic work. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who bought a copy or spread the word or posted on Facebook or tweeted it out or told their friends because hold on to your hats. It was a one day sales record for my distributor. So thousands and thousands of books sold. Absolutely fantastic. Really a thrill for me as a writer. So fun to see it zoom to number one at Nook and then Amazon matched it. And so, uh, it was just a great weekend overall and just thrilling because as a writer, it's hard to reach people, new readers. And so it's an opportunity to get the book into hands of people who might not be listening to this podcast currently. So, uh, thanks to everybody who helped, um, spread the word about that. My marketing team, that would be you people. Uh, also it set a record and honestly, I have never set a record in anything in my life. I mean, <laughs> no swimming records, no running records, no GPA records, no records for anything. So I will take it. My one and only record. It's an excellent one. So I appreciate that. I also want to just thank Jenny. She left a nice note on my Facebook page. And I was explaining last week, kind of wrapping up Chaos Chronicles and, and to concentrate on Satellite Sisters. And, you know, I've been doing the Chaos Chronicles since 2003, essentially. Uh, it started as a magazine column in Working Mother Magazine, then was, you know, segments on Satellite Sisters radio show. And then it became its own website, blog, podcast. At one point, you know, I wrote a TV pilot for Nickelodeon based on the Chaos Chronicles. So I feel like I've taken it as far as it can go. And I'm happy to sort of wrap it up creatively, although sad. You know, I, I'm sad. I have enjoyed it. It has been a really important part of my life. When I first started doing Satellite Sisters, I felt like I had a mission to represent working mothers on the air. And, um, it, but also to bring humor and levity 
and just a sense of normalcy to that experience because working moms were being vilified left and right. And the truth of the matter is <laughs> most moms eventually become working moms. So whether you take three months off when the baby's born or three years off or a decade off, eventually people go back to work and this is what happens. And, you know, 73% of us work outside the home on a regular basis anyway. And on every given day, it could be you. People's status change all the time. So I was just trying to bring a sense of normalcy to that role. So it has been really important to me, both personally and professionally, to have my little soapbox and to see it through a filter of humor. And Jenny left a nice comment that it has all been, it hasn't all been for naught. And you're right, Jenny. Thank you for acknowledging that. I, for me too. So I have enjoyed it and enjoyed the role and been happy to sort of play that part as the working mom, first on the radio and in magazines and now online. Happy to do it. So thank you for acknowledging that, Jenny. I appreciate that. Now, um, okay, this is not going to make us happy or happier. Uh, I have a serious to-do list for everybody, but let's try to keep it positive. Um, You know, one of the amazing things about being a part of the community that is the Chaos Crew or the Satellite Sisterhood is really being able to reach out and touch people that you'll probably never meet, who are literally all over the world, who live in very different circumstances than you, very different jobs. Um, But for whatever reason, the conversations that we're having on air or online have struck them as something that they want to participate in. And this sense of community you know goes both ways. Um, You know, when things are happening in our lives, we've drawn a lot of strength from you know, members who, listeners and and readers who have been a part of the Satellite Sister Nation uh, for a dozen years. And it goes back and forth uh, from us to you and back again. But the amazing thing is really looking how people have touched each other without us being involved at all. You know, like (laughs) once we were able to start a Facebook page, you know, to have readers comment on the blog and kind of get to know each other through comments and then really get to know each other through Facebook. And when I've been out on these book tours where we have satellite sister events and people come and they meet, even though they've never met in person, that's uh, unbelievable. That is not part of the business plan you write down um, or that you even understand if you write down, you know, build a community. You don't really know what that means until you see it in action. And, um, For better or worse, people are supporting each other. They are, you know, advising each other. They become friends uh, and confidants and just important support teams all on their own, you know, without either myself or my sisters being involved. And one of those people who has really reached out time and time again um, to offer comfort and solace uh, to people is Pastor Jill Henning. Uh, She's a Lutheran minister in Georgia. She's a mom. Uh, she is really stuck in the Panini generation. She's caring for her grandmother and her mom and her kids and a whole, uh, a whole community and a whole church. And, uh, um, but she's been a wonderful source of comfort and strength to many members of our community that have been going through things. And I always found, um, her comments on the blog or Facebook to be, you know, particularly helpful to me. I am terrible about talking about spirituality or writing about it. That is not my thing. But Pastor Jill just has a wonderful way of writing about life and faith and family and friends that sort of brings it all together. And I know in particular, she's reached out to a couple of people during very trying times, but she's having her own trying time. Um, She just came back from a two-week vacation in Maine, 
you know, sailing up the coast of Maine that I was happy to follow on Facebook. I was not jealous of her photos at all because I feel like she deserves it. She works hard for the money and out there she's sailing the freedom just to look like a wonderful trip. I was jealous uh, in a good way. And um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and it has spread to her lymph nodes. And um, she had one more thing to finish up at work and then she'll be starting um, chemotherapy and radiation. And she has asked for prayers from her community and from her church. And I've heard from several people who know her actually as a pastor, also on, on Facebook, sending me a message about, you know, a lot of emails that have gone out to the community where she lives to ask for prayers. So I feel comfortable asking our community here, the Chaos Crew and the Satellite Sisterhood, to keep Jill and her family in your prayers, in your thoughts. Uh, if you want to light a candle, if you want to, you know, run for charity, make a donation, you know, take a walk along the beach, a minute of silence, whatever it is that you think might bring strength and comfort to you, uh, do that for Jill this week, um, because she needs it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, it's an important part of my week. I'm so glad you've made it part of your week and don't forget, embrace your chaos. Dancing where the stars go blue Dancing where the evening fell Dancing in the wooden shoes Been waiting you Dancing out on 7th Street Dancing through the underground dancing